It's the Adult in the Room podcast with Victoria Taft. That's me. Another special edition of the pod on the FBI Trump world and those documents coming up later on. But today, at this moment, there's a story of what is happening in our cities and our neighborhoods, causing a deterioration of our quality of life, our safety, and everyone's internal spirit. It's an emotional suck. Today, I speak with Erica Sandberg. Erica is a consumer writer and reporter with a big TV station in San Francisco. She became so alarmed at what was going on in her city that she went undercover to find out the city's response to the drug and homeless epidemic on the streets of the city she loves. Oh, and find out she did. As she began uncovering the harm done by the so-called harm reduction programs, she had her eyes opened. The very people who were supposed to be helping were making things such as what we now call the homeless problem, as it's passed off now, much, much worse. Good intentions, bad outcome. San Francisco started turning into a urine-tainted metropolis, at least in the 1990s, when we used to call these people winos and hobos, and they collected in pockets on the streets we called skid rows and begged for more money to buy fortified night train. They were usually shriveled up men, shriveled up old men, or at least they looked old. They were probably only in their 40s, right? A lot of them did because you didn't live long on the streets. And the cops would go, okay, Harry, it's time for you to go back to the drunk tank. And there they go and they dry out and then they do it all over again the next night, but not anymore. Within years, it was worse, much worse. Drug abuse, heroin addicts would use the streets as their open air drug markets. And you know what happens after that? Violence. Trouble on the street. They become unsafe streets. People who used to tolerate the winos now had to walk over bodies in various states of drug addiction and on their trips as they went home after work in the financial district. It was a bad scene. Still is worse. Now, in the Tenderloin, which is the area that San Francisco tried to keep and warehouse all these homeless addicted people, the number of people seen sleeping in their various stages of their drug trips and addictions, suddenly reduced. And they were warehoused in apartments where they could take their new drug of choice, fentanyl. In fact, if you see people on the streets of San Francisco now, you wonder if they're dead. I have. I've looked at them. You used to be able to at least see them breathing with fentanyl. It's such a deeply addictive and uh, horrible drug. You can't tell if they're breathing anymore. It's insane. People are being poisoned by this drug, and the city is helping. And Sandberg was appalled. Here's her story on the Adult in the Room podcast. Thank you very much for coming on the Adult in the Room podcast, Erica Sandberg. Thanks so much for having me, Victoria. Well, you did something that most reporters should do, and that was get out and talk to people and figure stuff out. You say you're an evidence-based journalist, and 
For years and years, you have plied your trade in finance news and consumer news and that sort of thing. But now you found yourself on the streets of San Francisco. How did you get there? Well, I've been in San Francisco almost all my life. Um, so actually basically, uh, I think going on 34 years now. So I've seen the difference on our streets and it's an amazing city. I mean, I love this city. I truly do. I love it passionately. Um, to see it fall like this has been devastating. So I wanted to know, yes, I did do, and I still do, consumer finance reporting, but I wanted to know what's going on. <laughs> what we have on our streets is complete insanity. And I didn't see anybody reporting on it accurately because it, the true stories haven't been told. Like so what? I thought, well, this is, this is perfect. Well, um, before you start telling true sure. stories, why do you think that there has not been proper coverage of this issue? Oh, I'm so disgusted by our, our media. Uh, the Chronicle... I've had a love-hate relationship with the Chronicle for a while. Um, but, you know, this is who we rely on for our news. And um, it's so biased. It's so biased. You know, he, hearing these and reading these stories saying that crime isn't down and that homelessness that we see on our street, that this is a result of income inequality and um, racism and this type of thing. And, it's just nonsense. It's not what we see. This is not what the what people who live here actually see. So it's what the media is kind of perpetuating is this bizarre perspective that isn't true. What we see is drugs. So I thought if you guys aren't going to report on it, I'm going to have to. Mm-hmm. The city of San Francisco is everyone's favorite city, at least it used to be. And it we consider it sort of our city uh, because if you don't go there for a wonderful weekend to bike ride or take in the wonderful wine country or use it as a base of operations for a convention or something, then you oftentimes will just dream about it. But now people don't dream about it because it's a nightmare. It can be a nightmare. I mean, there are parts that are still absolutely amazing. And it's interesting. And I have to say this. Even the nightmarish parts are worth visiting. I say go. Go. Don't avoid them. You should see. You should see what is happening. I agree. And, you know, let's not be tourists in the terms of, you know, like, oh, I just want to see the degradation. Chaos No, you need to see what's... Right. And I actually do. I take people to the Tenderloin and especially, and I really welcome people who have different perspectives. Like you really think it's X? Well, let's go see if it may be Y. You know, open up your mind, use your eyes. The narrative pushing by the local media has been breathtaking and it always fits into their little preconceived notions of how things are. Oh, you know, it's because housing is so expensive. Well, indeed, San Francisco has expensive housing, but that ain't it. Those people, in fact, in the times that I've been going to the Tenderloin and helping people and giving them food and watching their kids and whatever it is that, you know, City Impact does on a regular basis, a daily, hourly basis in the Tenderloin in San Francisco, I have seen a marked, marked difference. It ain't the homes. It ain't the price. It ain't the income inequality. It's the drugs. A hundred percent. It's a hundred percent. Let's just say that we were able magically to take out the drugs from this from this mathematical equation, right? We just remove them. 
what would we be left with? We would be left with a handful of people who genuinely have financial issues and they can be helped. This So now put them back in the equation and what do you have? You have people in horrendous states of uh, existence that is barely existence, um, really bad physical health, bad psychological health, and really basically dying on our streets. And I have to say, Victoria, this is also so important. We focus on San Francisco. This is my city. This is our city, right? But this is the United States. This is how we treat people. This is how we have decided to approach this problem, which is ignore the reality and worse, perpetuate the problem. Mm -hmm. So, you know, this is... I say, come, 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 look, come see. You know, don't tut tut because San Francisco is doing this. This is all of us. We all need to pay attention. It's happening in Seattle. It's happening in Portland. It's happening in San Diego. These are cities that have allowed the homeless issue and the drug uh, freedom of uh, free uh, run of drugs overtake this community of people, this population of people, and then uh, they they try to solve it in housing. Well, all you're doing is giving somebody a house in which they will take their drugs and die of an overdose. Absolutely. That is what we saw over and over and over again during the pandemic when um, people were being scooped off the street and shoved into uh, hotels, shelter-in-place hotels, and we saw people die. Not only that, it was worse for them because they died alone. There wasn't anybody there to save them with Narcon. Right. right. So they were alone and it was depressing. They were isolated. Their mental illness intensified. Their addiction atten- intensified. It was a nightmare. And we continue to, we're not waking up from this yet. <laughs> so right. we need to, we need to, if you care about humanity, you care about your brother, your sister, your aunt, your neighborhood, your community, your small businesses, your big businesses, your job, you better start caring. And you did. And you saw that there was a lot of untruths being told about this population of people and the city's response to it. And you went undercover. Tell me how that came about and tell me what you did. So harm reduction is the, um, is the mantra that the mantra harm reduction harm we're saving lives we're saving lives we're saving lives right hey you know if we don't revive them we don't give them uh free drug supplies then they're just they're going to die i said was of course absurdity because they're dying anyway (laughs) what are you doing what really are how are you saving these people how are you how are you helping so my frustration level just was off the chain (laughs) i was like what is happening and so I thought, well, let me find out. Let me, what, do, what If you're an addict, and I do like to use the word addict because you're literally addicted to these substances. Don't give me this BS about substance abuse or what are they calling it? Substance use uh, uh, illness, uh, whatever new term they whatever want to use Whatever euphemisms for it. they're pulling yeah, out of their asses these days. Exactly. I'm sorry. My, my dad was an alcoholic. He was an addict. That's what happened. You, you right. can't leave the bottle behind. You're an addict. Okay. So the same thing. So I thought, well, how, how are people who are addicted to fentanyl, meth, you name it, what is the city doing for them? Um, no one, 
no one really published it. No one did anything about it. So I thought, okay, I'm going to find out. So I, I took a journalist student with me. Um, she was a, she's a master. She's getting her master's in journalism at, at uh, San Francisco State. She was like, oh yeah, I'm all into it. So the two of us, we basically just dressed down. You know, I can dress down. I, I have jeans with holes in them and a crappy hat and cheap sunglasses. And uh, back then it was the heart of, it was the, the, the it was COVID was raging. So I had a mask on. No one could recognize me. So I went to these harm reduction places. You go and you get what you need. I stood in line. I stood in line with the rest of the people who were there. And I'm looking around me and I'm like, this is nuts. This is nuts. These are people in the worst state you can possibly imagine. More dead than alive. Yes. So we're standing in line. We're standing in line. I finally get to my to my uh, point where I'm face-to-face with this woman, cheery, big smile on her face. She looks good. She's healthy, right? Right. And she goes, hey, so what do you want? What are you looking for? I'm nervous as hell. I'm I'm shaking. My arm was shaking. My I, my legs were shaking because I didn't know what to do. This is not what I normally do. So you look normal to her. I look normal to her. Because <laughs> you're shaking. <laughs> I look you, look, you look like you need a fix. <laughs> right. Right. And she was sweet. And she said, well, what are you looking for? And I just shrugged. And she's like, okay, no problem. She takes out a big bag and she starts filling it. And she looks. At me, and she goes, You want needles? And I shrugged again. I'm like, Ugh. And she goes, how, What size do you want? And I I didn't know how to respond. She goes, And she looked at me. She goes, Well, you're not very big. Um, I'll give you I'll give you the small size of oh micro my size or something. Gosh. I know, right? And, <laughs> and she goes, But I'll give you I'll give you some others too. So she's filling my bag. She gives me everything I need, and then some, and then I wander away. Now, something super important. The way this opened, it was a kind of a kiosk, and the door opened, and on the backside of the door, which was available, were the list of things that I could get, like a menu in a restaurant, um, appetizers, <laughs> main courses, side dishes, um, dessert, right? So it was a list of things I could choose from. There were even packs. Do I want a pack of this or a pack of that? It was nuts. I should have taken a picture of it, but I didn't. Everything but the drugs, right? Everything but the drugs, but was also missing was if you need, if you want to get help, if you're looking for a 12-step program, if you want recovery, call this number. Here's a pamphlet. That was so noticeably absent to me. The one thing that was missing was any kind of services for somebody who wanted to leave their drugs behind. Not a single pamphlet, not a single phone number. I didn't even expect the person to say, hey, honey, do you need some help? I was like, okay, that's going to be too much for them. But how about maybe a pamphlet? How about a phone number that was maybe on the bottom of the the list of things that I could get? Nothing. I was left to my own devices. When it was my turn to leave, I left. The next person came, took my place. This is doing absolutely nothing mm-hmm. to help people. Absolutely nothing. It is complete lie to say this is helping people. It's not. You want to try and keep people alive for what? One second? One hour? Until what? You're not offering any other services. So until what? Mm-hmm. 
So that's what I found. I went to three different places. That's the same experience, all three different places. And I have to tell you sort of a funny one is the last one was for transgender um, addicts. And I thought, and I was turned to my, to my colleague and I said, I'm not transgender, but I'm not an addict either. So what the heck? I'll go. <laughs> right. and, so, and so again, very, very nice people, you know, heart of gold, I'm not saying that they don't, I would never put them down when they feel they're doing the right thing. Mm-hmm. The, they are. the state people are, uh, do not require anything of people receiving these kinds of things. And uh, they've changed the law where addicts who are in housing or in, uh, you know, in, in some program, a transitional housing program, for example, they don't have to do anything to receive that free benefit. They don't have to be sober anymore. They don't have to be in groups anymore. They don't have to be undergoing a 12-step program anymore that counts as a meeting where they get help uh, unless they're under court supervision or requirement. It is a travesty. It's a travesty. It's a travesty. And it is. It is. It's so wrong. And I just have to say, I try and take the politics out of it because I look at people who are on the street and I think, this you're not a political being. You're just a human being. And you're not getting what you need to live. Now, the powers that are creating this problem, it's a political problem. But I'm just looking straight street level. Right. This, you are a human who is not receiving what you need to to lead a life that you actually do deserve as a human, which is safe, healthy, um, independent, productive, right? There's zero emphasis on that. Well, zero. There, for, from my perspective, and I don't want to put words in your mouth, it is a political thing because it's all Democrats running these cities. And I will tell mm-hmm. you also, this is also coming at a time when street drugs are being legalized. Small oh, portions. Absolutely. I mean, you're encouraging oh, the behavior. Where, when? Oh, it's it's totally wrong. When it's wrong, you said a you had a value loaded word there. Wrong because it connotes there's yep. a right. And yep. why is it that there uh, that right and wrong, objective truth is anathema to these people? Great question. It's a great question. Um, it's hard for me to put myself into the into the intellectual perspective of people who are so committed to these ideas being correct when they can clearly, clearly look around and say, well, I've seen people with sores on their legs. I see people who are face down in their own vomit. I see people who are, you know, are sticking a needle in their neck or who have like arm loads or hand loads of of fentanyl foil. Or who are holding dogs that are clearly neglected and children who are neglected and people are no so yeah my head explodes I cannot get into their minds it doesn't make sense thirty four so, there are thirty four hundred kids in the tenderloin who who live there and whose parents are in various states of distress. That's right. Now there is an uprising too. Is that I see people who are. I'll call them on the left. I don't know exactly what their political positions are, but people who are would say they're probably liberal. And they're starting to say, this is absurd. We cannot have this. Oh, look at the Castro. The Castro district, mm-hmm. our amazing district that is has an incredible history, right? With liberalism and gay rights and mm-hmm. everything like that. 
they're putting their foot down. They're saying, we're not going to, the merchants, we're not going to pay our taxes until you figure this out, until uh-huh. you stop doing what you're doing, which is enabling the people on the streets to destroy our community. So, yes, we are seeing an uprising, and it's not among the right. It's among the people who live here who primarily are liberal. So let's have some faith here. This is amazing. Do you think that the reason this is turned around and uh, allowed to be talked about in journalism now and the local press and that sort of thing, and they're finally going, oh, we have a fentanyl problem. No kidding. <laughs> you don't say. Right. Uh, because Michael Schellenberger wrote that book, San Francisco. And because, because I, let me tell you something. This has been known to the faith community for years and years and years, and they've been in the tenderloin and they've watched this going on and they've pleaded with city fathers and mothers, please don't do this. Don't allow this. This is, this is wrong. And what are they called? They're called bigots. Yes. Yes, absolutely. And I think the strategy for that, and this is what I adopt anyway, which is ignore. I'm not going to engage in that. It's it's a waste of time. It's a waste of energy. Move forward with what you know is right and helpful and human. Right. I'm, I, I can't, if we all got stuck in that loop of, of fighting people who are not even interested at all in hearing you, forget it. Just move forward and keep, and you're going to get followers. You're going to get people who are like, okay, um, you're right. You're correct. It's not just me. It's a lot of people. We've got the Mothers Against Drug Deaths. They are a non-political group. They, these are mothers whose children are lost to mm. the streets or who have died because of these drugs. All they care about is stopping what is happening right now. They're fighting and they're fighting hard and they're winning. So these are, you know, there, there is so much hope. There is so much hope and, 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 for, and good reason for it, like good reason for excitement. Yeah. Mike Schellenberger, he did a great job. Um, you know, he ran for, for governor just uh, to governor. make sure that, that people heard about it. That's right. He definitely helped people become more attuned to the reality of the situation. And we're just going to keep going. One of the observations you made early in our discussion here today was that the people on the street look more dead than alive. That's something I've observed as well. And it's frightening. And it's because of the fentanyl. And, uh, you know, like before I'd see people sleeping on the street and you could see them breathing. Now with fentanyl, you have to get real close. The, the fewer people on the streets, because they're all in hotels taking their drugs. But of the people you see on the street, you go, you want to put a mirror under their nose to find out if they're still breathing. It's frightening. You do. You do. And there was just, I took a run yesterday and there was a, a man on the corner on a very busy intersection and he was running into traffic and he, I have a, I took a picture of him because I thought, I just want to remember this guy. He had a towel around his, his waist, mm. no clothes on, no shoes on, uh, scabs all over his body. And he was holding a meth pipe and he, and I, I yelled at him and I said, get out of the road. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, it wasn't funny. I'm like, get out of the road. And he turned and he looked at me and he said, why? And I said, because you're going to get hit by a car. And he said, I am a car. And I'm like, okay. Oh, wow. And right. And so he, then he started kind of punching with his, with his, uh, 
hand with his holding the meth pipe and he said beep 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 and there was something comical about it there was something so sad about it and I thought this is what we do this is what we have left him with and I have no place to guide him to I have no no number no help I Mm. continued on with my run because what else could I do? Well, and here I am and I'm in the thick of it and I do know the numbers I do know the people involved and there's still nothing, nothing for that man and it's tragic it's absolutely tragic it, it gets to me and it gets to a lot of people The city's only job, government's only sole job initially after which other stuff comes along is safety and security it's their job to do that and you're not expected to get this guy help. It's nice, but you also have to consider your safety because that guy, he might be a 145 pound strapping guy who's got welts all over his body. He might be that guy, but he can also sucker punch you and kill you and end you. It's not just him. It's the community. It's the community. The government's job is to take care of people and to secure the peace. And that's why we have uh, cops and government and all those people making all that money for. And But the thing is, is that you're not expected to wrangle that guy or do anything else because you could die trying to do that. So that's just my two cents. No, it's true. It's true. And so you learn living in a, in a city like this. You learn your boundaries. Um <laughs> you can, I don't personally, I, I probably take a few too many risks um, because there's something about it to me and it's going to sound a bit cheesy, but they're my brothers and sisters mm-hmm. and I don't want to leave them. And it, it's painful. Every time it's painful. I saw a guy sleeping in a flower bed the other day and there was something particularly agonizing about that. Like you're in a flower bed. It's 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 very it's very hard. It's hard not to relate it to your own life. Somebody very dear to me right now is eleven days in in recovery, and it took so much effort. And I think it shouldn't be this hard. It should not be this hard to get somebody the help that they need. You mentioned that there's doesn't seem to be a lot of politics behind it, but there is border security that is behind all of this. Uh, of course, we've had drugs coming from south of the border forever. and But the problem is that the big meth labs in uh, Mexico is getting all this uh, precursor medication from China, and it's coming over the border, which is now wide open. Uh, do you think that there's some responsibility that should be paid by the people who've provided this absurd situation is terrible open border bringing fentanyl to your city absolutely it's it's repulsive and it is that that is a it's a part that gets ignored which is if you condone drug use which a lot of people do you know the people in the harm reduction community they're like all for it like just do it do it safely right but what you're also doing then is saying i now condone the drug cartels i now condone People drowning in the Rio Grande as they try and get into into the country, into the U.S. I now condone human trafficking and agony. No, it's you got. I one of the things I hate most of all is a hypocrite. <laughs> be don't be a hypocrite. You don't want human suffering. Start at the border. Start at the drug cartels. Um, work your way down. 
Yeah, you know, all those kids that they bring over the border are on birth control, all the girls, because they're going to get raped. And moms and dads know that. And that's what the guys who bring them up, the coyotes do. They put them on birth control. It's pretty amazing, isn't okay, it? Okay, I, I didn't know that. That's yeah. really horrifying. Yeah. Thanks for telling me. <laughs> yeah, I know. Sorry. Sorry. And there's another picture to paint for you while you're <laughs> sleepless night. But I wanted to go back to your experiment. So you yes. went to these three harm reduction clinics and you came away with bags full of stuff to help you take drugs. Then what did you do? I did. Yeah. Yeah. So I think I was pretty much stunned by the end. I came out, I left with 170 needles for one person. One, me. Wow. Um, 170. <laughs> I, I just that's shocking to me. Yeah. Reams of, of foil to smoke fentanyl with bunch of, of straws that I can smoke it with, ha- uh, cookers for my heroin, y- you name it. It was astounding. So I had these bags. In fact, I would have kept going, but my backpack was full. So <laughs> wow. I came home, did an overview. My, my friend and I, we sat there and we just kind of looked at everything and we were stunned. We thought, well, now what do we do? <laughs> so... I'm a contributing reporter to City Journal, so I wrote a story for City Journal about it, and it blew open some doors. People were shocked, extremely disturbed, and embarrassed. That's what I don't mind doing. I want to embarrass those who think that they can do whatever the hell they want with impunity. Yes, let's embarrass them, because they're doing something wrong, and they know it. Who is they? Um, they are people who are in the harm reduction community who refuse to admit that the people that they so-call help are dying. And that is Department of Public Health, my number one enemy. And I say enemy because I'm telling you, get the, get the word health out of that organization. It's not healthy. They're not providing the treatment that people need and want and deserve. So get that word out of your title. It's the Department of Public Death, as far as I'm concerned. I commend to your viewing and uh, video uh, news story and uh, mini doc by the, uh, it's called Seattle is Dying. Have you seen that? Mm. It comes up with some solutions at the end of it that I think are probably helpful. If you want to help people, maybe that's the way to do it. The MAPS program. Mm -hmm. Um, Love the MAPS program. Are they doing that in San Francisco at all? No. No. What we do is, and I I have to use air quotes, is we keep people alive. (laughs) For what? No, we don't. So in your reporting for City Journal and the piece you wrote over there, you came up with some solutions, I expect, and or you know, at least threw some stuff out there and got some input. And what what did you come away with thinking that would help? Um, I think we need to make it just as easy to get uh, treatment, whether it's substance use, um, mental health treatment as it is to get th- these harm reduction materials. Now, personally, I'm okay with clean needles. I get it. I get the philosophy behind it. And, and I think there's the, enough research to back it up that does make sense. Clean needles are good. Um, fentanyl foil, meth pipes, crack pipes. No, nope. 
Get rid of them. Stop putting your resources into it. It's not doing anybody any good. And now is time to stop the next stage is what they're trying to do, which is called safe supply, where the government becomes the dealer. So instead of methadone and suboxone, which really weans people off their illegal substances, the government then is going to purchase these illegal drugs, give it to the people. So they become the dealer. The people who are addicted to these substances are now getting them straight from the government. My God. It makes no sense. What they're, what the philosophy behind that is, hey, we'll test it. We'll make sure it's clean. We'll make sure it's safe. I, I'm so repulsed. Everybody, I would say everybody should be repulsed by that. I can't tell people how to feel, but I can tell you is that when you start talking about it to others, the first reaction is, ugh, that doesn't make sense. Mm -hmm. So we need to talk about this and have it out there as much as possible because the people who claim to be experts are not. They're just not. They're they're out, they're out of their minds. <laughs> they're just out of their minds and they really think that they're right. They can, they can think that they're right all they want. We just need to stop them from doing this because it would be a complete disaster. Seems to me they've been wrong a lot. Yep. A lot. We have since the start of our, this year, we're half the year in, right? In San Francisco alone, 350 people have died on our streets of overdoses. Wow. Are they wrong a lot? Yeah, they're wrong a lot. What's the name of the program of City of San Francisco's proposal to buy drugs for people? Oh, so that's called the Safe Supply Movement or Safer Supply Movement. <laughs> I say keep an eye on it, folks, because that is exactly what you're going to be sold by people who claim to be authorities in the field. Can we expect that from Scott Weiner? Absolutely. Absolutely. What what they're going to try and say, what they are saying is this way we get it out of the hands of the cartels. No. Insanity. It will never stop those dealers. They have too much at stake, too much money, too many resources. That is complete insanity. It's wrong. It will not stop. The only thing that stops it is law enforcement. Hardcore law enforcement, you've got to arrest and come down hard on the drug trade. Not on addicts, not at all. Addicts get help. They need help. Okay? But the dealers, anybody who's involved in the drug trade, no, that is where we put our, our efforts. We can do it. We have, in, hey, in San Francisco alone, we've got a $14 billion budget. Jeez. Right? We can get people help. We can get people treatment. We just choose not to. Well, of course, when government gets involved in it, as they do with uh, school loan forgiveness and all this other stuff, all it does is raise the price of the thing that they're su subsidizing. So I'm not sure if that's a great idea, but um, – or you get, how about vouchers or something for drug addicts or something? Right, you know, something yeah. Honestly, they're, they're, I've been tempted to put a table out by – uh, the linkage center. Uh, we, we had to stop calling it the linkage center because there was no linking to services. <laughs> and call it the tenderloin center instead. I'm not kidding. That is exactly what happened. Happened. And I was. I've been tempted to put a card table out there with a sign that says, "If you want help off drugs and uh, into a better life, uh, 
come to me and let, let's talk and just to see how many people would come up. I would love to know. I really would. And maybe one day I'll do it. I, I follow Tenderloin Tube on the Twitters. And I noticed that this person keeps track of all the drug dealers who get free lunches from these nice people providing yes. lunches for uh, these drug addled people on the streets. What do you make of that? Oh, yeah. Yeah. They get free lunch. They... I don't even know who's doing it. There's a number of different um, nonprofit organizations that do deliver meals to people who are on the street, but the drug dealers have their own um, system, which is completely bizarre. Um, and I have to say, I mean, food is essential. I'm I'm actually on the board of Salvation Army Harbor Light Center, which is a recovery center. Well, those people do wonderful things. So good. So good. Um Food is essential. Yes, of course, people need to eat. But do drug dealers need to have delivered meals so they can keep their shifts going? You know, this needs to end. And people, and it won't end unless people know about it. So thank you for having me on because more people will know about it. Let's get the information out. This is information that a lot of people don't want to have publicized. Right. Uh, I've got nothing to gain. What do I gain? I'm a consumer finance reporter. <laughs> I can I can have an easy life, you know, and it is not easy. It's not easy to be out there. Where do you live in San Francisco approximately? Just what section do you live in? Oh, I, I live in Knob Hill. Lovely. Um and then so of course everything being so close together. I mean, you're you're never more than a half a block to two blocks away from the despair. Oh, Victoria, I could I could walk five blocks and provide as uh, procure as much fentanyl and meth that I my family and I could use more than enough. Um, yeah, it's it's very very small city um, geographically. Mm -hmm. It's very very easy. It, the borders are are invisible. Heather McDonald said she went on the streets of San Francisco and scored drugs just for the grins and giggles, just to see if she could, if it was easy to get. She goes, it was the dumbest thing ever. Everybody's selling it down there. And they're yeah. getting free meals from yeah. whoever, these NGOs that are supported by the uh, grants from the state and or county. And it's just absurd. I mean, that. Yeah, it's really. Yeah, she did the right thing by doing that. I, I really was glad that she did it. Um, but anybody can. You know, I walk down the street and I hear, hey, mama, hey, mama, what you want, mama? All the time. All the time. It's, it's easier than getting a soda from, from a convenience store. Wow. Just wow. Thank you so much for your time. I appreciate it. You've been very generous with it. There's one thing I want to ask. Has there been something that you wanted to say that you haven't been able to say during the, our discussion that you think we need yes. to know? Yes, and I, I do say this, but I, I want to emphasize it, is it's really hard when you read reports and you see data and you think, okay, well, that's correct. That they must, they must, I must be giving, getting the correct information. It's tragic. I hate saying this. Don't believe what you read. And I would even say, don't even believe me. You don't have to believe me. Go out in your community and really see it and try and be objective. Try and open up your eyes and say, is this a housing issue? Does this look like this person could get a job and be okay? Just really trust yourself. Trust, just trust your eyes, trust your ears, trust your senses. Start there. That will lead you to better decisions. That will lead us all to better decisions. But get out there in the world. It's so important. That's what I want to say. 
Thank you, Erica Sandberg. And uh, got me on following you on Twitter and all of your writings and scribbles. Appreciate it. And I don't mean to, I don't mean to demean it by saying scribbles, but I'll read whatever you write. That sounds good to me. (laughs) Thank you. Thanks for listening to this episode of the Adult in the Room podcast. To keep the programs you like to listen to, please rate this podcast with a fantastic five stars on your Apple podcast app every time you listen and give me a great review. Plus, of course, subscribe to the podcast. It makes a difference with the big tech algorithm and the big tech oligarchs, and it makes us easier to find. Please get in touch with me on all the big tech stuff. Yeah, we're still there. Using the names Victoria Taft or the Adult in the Room podcast on MeWe, Parlor, Minds, Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. Thanks to 1A Cast for imaging, editing, and production. The fantastic song is Gospel by the March 4th Band of Portland, Oregon. Music for Antifa versus Mike Strickland is Ride or Die by Raps by RC. The Adult in the Room podcast is also a production of Flamingo Road Studios. Remember, head up, heart out, and strive to be the adult in the room. Till next time, mischief managed.